Studio Erbo and Bonfire Press present Essence House, A Ghost of a Christmas Yet to Come, by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino, read by Michael Goodrick. December 24th, 1968. Dion, Greece. The air was cold and wet, but the boy was used to it. In all his eight years, he'd never had a proper shelter during the winter. Though he knew it could always be worse, the temperature in town rarely dipped close to freezing. You had to go up the mountain to get any real snow, and he had no intention of leaving the village. The smell of roasted pork hung in the air of the alleyway that Demos currently labeled his home. The sense escape from the kitchen on the corner was both a blessing and a curse. He hoped the scraps that would certainly accompany the trash later would still carry the aroma, but he knew in the end that the foul mix of waste would make it barely edible, much less enjoyable. Mr. Callis, a man called out behind him. Argus, I'm a kid. I've told you. Just call me Demos, he corrected the lumbering old man. You're the most unchildlike kid I've ever known, sir. People around these streets tend to look to you as a leader, if you ain't noticed, Argus replied. I have, Argus, and I don't care for it. Anyways, what can I do for you, Argus? You got any scraps, young sir? I know it's early, but it's been some time since I've... Argus was interrupted. I know. This week's scraps have been terrible. It's almost Christoyena, though, Argus. The children are singing the Kalanta in the streets. I'm thinking we deserve a treat. What say you? What do you have in mind, sir? Argus paused. Demos. As the two conspired, Mr. Barrow stepped out the back of his restaurant with two bags of trash. You two again? I thought I told you to get lost. I wouldn't dig through these bags. It won't be healthy for you. He laughed as he turned around. Argus rolled his eyes as the rotund chef waddled toward the back door. Yeah, I'm in, Demos. Let's do it. Inside the restaurant was filled with cheer. The atmosphere was vibrant with lights adorning every wall and tables with ornate centerpiece sculptures of boats in the center. An obnoxiously joyful Mr. Barros stepped out from the back with two new trays of bread and cookies and began serving them to the patrons. Barros! A patron shouted as he held up a mug. To Mr. Barros, many years to live and prosper. The crowd cheered, and Mr. Barros smiled. He loved hosting dinners on Christmas Eve. He nodded to the patrons at the next table as he retrieved their dirty plates, and as he turned, he noticed a familiar face near the entrance of the restaurant. It was that tall vagrant from the alley. You, he pointed. What are you doing in here? Argus put his hands out and replied, I don't want any trouble, sir. I wondered if I might have some bread is all. You'll get no bread. Get out of my restaurant, Mr. Barros demanded. Argus walked along the wall and ventured further into the shop. Please, sir, it's cold out there. A man at the table next to him stood up. Why, Mr. Barros, I'd like to buy this gentleman a Christmas dinner and a drink. He's with my family tonight. We'll have no more of that talk. Argus was visibly pleased. Sir, that is far too generous. He was interrupted. It is. Far, far too generous. I want this man removed from my restaurant. The gentleman grabbed Argus's arm as he tried to turn to leave. He'll eat with my family, or I shall eat elsewhere. Argus eyed the kitchen door and nodded when Demos gave him a thumbs up. He turned to the man and his family. I really ought to leave, but I do appreciate the sentiment. I don't belong here. 
Mr. Barrows turned quickly to look at the kitchen door. What is going on here? Argus hustled along the wall and made a run for the door, but a man at the front blocked his escape. Hold him there. I'll be right back, the plump chef shouted as he flung the kitchen doors open. The kitchen was dark. He felt the wall for a light switch. The lights sprang on, and he noticed the two ovens nearest the door were pulled open, and the door itself was unhinged. This is the last straw, Mr. Barrow shouted, kicking the kitchen door open again. Sergeant Hagen, arrest that man. His companion left through the kitchen with two roasted lambs. A tall man sprung from his seat in the middle of the room and swiftly made his way for the kitchen door, shouting behind him, Keep that man restrained! As the officer exited the rear of the building, he noticed a young man at the end of the alley gathering some belongings in a hurry. Hey, you! I need to have a word with you! He shouted. Demos looked up. He hadn't considered that if this went south, they'd lose the alley they called home. But the minute he left through that back door, he knew that was the case. Even a dog can tell you not to poop where you eat, he thought. He'd heard a fellow alley citizen say something like that a while back, but this was the first time it really resonated. As soon as he saw the officer begin to charge down the alley, Demos scooped up whatever he could in his biggest blanket and made a break for it. He hated to leave old Argus on the hook, but it didn't do either of them any good for both of them to be locked up. He scurried down a narrow passage between the two buildings nearest him, As he turned his attention fully to his escape, he noticed his pursuer come to a stop at the narrow entrance. I said, stop, he heard from his rear. There was no way this man could make it between those buildings and maintain any speed, so Demos was not paying him any mind. As he made his way to the end of the passage, he looked back. Clearly, the man was taking the long way around, so he had a decent head start. Demos scanned the area. Living outdoors, he knew the town better than most. The park across the way would be his first stop, so he leapt over a partition in the sidewalk and ran his swiftest. As he entered the park, he looked for the nearby trash reservoir. Nobody would be collecting garbage in the next 24 hours, so he thought this is a safe place to stash his goods. Upon exiting, he noticed the officer speaking to a family in the street, and another child pointing in his general direction. Demos checked his shoelaces and took a deep breath, followed by a slow exhale. This might take a little longer than planned, he thought. Leaving the trash, he made his way along a line of bushes and rose to hide behind a tree. He peeked around the tree just in time to lock eyes with Sergeant Hagen. Hagen began charging after the boy, thinking, This is the last thing I want to be doing tonight. His lungs burned from overexertion as he made his way to the tree, where he found nothing. The twerp had escaped him again. He had half a mind to just call it a day and reimburse Barrows himself. He would not be doing this much longer. He was sure of that. A glimpse down the street revealed the silhouette of a child running downhill toward the old green rock quarry. If you don't get back here, he began to shout, but he let his defeated words trail to nowhere and began to sprint again. As Demos reached the foot of the road, he considered his options. A left would take him to a typically more populated road, where on an average day he could probably just blend into a crowd and vanish. Tonight was not likely to be that day. To go straight or make a right would take him into the old quarry, but he'd heard some bad things about that place, and even the local vagrants didn't step foot in there. And then there was the narrowly lesser favorite option of turning around and taking his chances against the police. Kid, halt! It doesn't have to be this way, he heard from behind. 
The quarry it would be, he decided. With a turn of his body, he made a run for it. Hagen stopped. Two thoughts immediately came to him. The first, I'm not paid enough to go in there. And the second, that kid will get killed if I keep pursuing him. Hagen simply turned around and headed back up the hill. This was a whole new view for Demos. He'd been past the quarry a thousand times, but nobody ever crossed through the boarded-up gates. The entire area was essentially written off. Up until now, he knew where to go wherever he was in this town, but this was all brand new. And to be completely honest, this was very appealing to the curious eight-year-old. A crack in the concrete became Demos's guide. Why not? He was alone with some time to kill. Why not make a game of it? One foot over the next, he danced along the line until he came to a large building. The door must have stood a thousand feet high. Well, at least that's how the boy felt about the towering entrance. The old metal building looked like it had been abandoned since long before his birth. With nobody around to say otherwise, Demos decided to take a look. Carefully, he placed his hand around the old handle. Rust fell from above as the door scraped the ground, creating a shiver-inducing noise. A bit of moonlight trickled in through cracks in the sheet roof above, allowing for the occasional bit of illumination. Just an old storeroom. Looks like they cleaned it out pretty well, Demos commented to himself. He entered the building and continued past several tall shelving racks, and eventually came to a desk. It was a rather small, unassuming desk. Demos pulled the chair from the desk and dropped into it to take a break. Argus, he thought. What am I going to do about Argus? He kicked his feet for a moment and spun the chair around. It felt free. Demos was free. He lived a life with no attachments. So many years of freedom actually made freedom feel a little mundane. But moments like this, he was able to feel it again. To be a kid with no worries. He broke himself of the thought. No worries besides the fate of Argus. I'll get back here soon, Demos thought but I probably got to figure out how to stage a jailbreak first. What was that? The boy caught a glimpse of a flicker of green light from between the desk and the shelf next to it. He scooted the seat back and leaned forward, dropping to the ground. What have we got here? He reached between, trying to reach. He kicked the desk a couple times with booming noises echoing around the building. Then, after a little wiggling of his entire body, he was able to reach the object. Demos grabbed it, and fell back against the wall to give it a look. It was metal and round and dirty. He stood up, walked around the desk, and out toward a spot where light shone through the roof. With his hand open, he held the thing. Some spit in his sleeve cleared some of the soot that was caked onto it. It appeared to be a lens you might wear over your eye. Clamped between his pointer finger and his thumb, Demos held the thin, green-tinted monocle to his eye. As he looked across the building, he saw the shelves begin to slowly bend. The sky grew light, then dark. Dust fell in through the roof as the sky alternated brightness, leading to pieces of roof falling in, slamming into shelves and those shelves beginning to cave. Demos jumped back and scurried to the door, removing the monocle. He fell against the door and attempted to catch his breath. Looking back to assess the destruction, he was surprised to find there was none. Everything was just as it was when he arrived. He backed up through the door and held the glass to his eye once more. The same destruction played out before his eyes. As he turned, he saw a boy pulling himself up over the nearby fence with some urgency. Hey, 
he yelled, slipping the glass into his pocket. Demos took off for the fence and lifted himself over, just as he had seen the boy do. As his legs cleared the top, he dropped down and turned to see the street he had been on before, but there was no boy. He ran down the street, back toward the park, and dropped behind a line of bushes. Who was that? Demos wondered, and what the heck was up with that building? He reached into his pocket and grabbed the monocle again. Pulling it out, he lifted it to his eye and scanned the park. There was the officer from before, pacing behind the garbage area where he had stashed his belongings and bounty. Then some movement by the trash. It looked like a kid, and he was going into the trash where his dinner was stashed. Demos was not going to let that happen. He ran along the shadows and hid behind a tree. He held that vantage point for a bit, but nothing was happening. No cop and no kid. Growing bored, he held up the glass again, catching some movement by the trash. A can fell over and the figure pulled at Demos's blanket. Just then, the officer came around the corner and grabbed the kid's arm. Better him than me, Demos thought. As the officer lifted the boy and pulled him away, shouting at him, Demos sat and watched. When the coast was clear, he dropped the glass into his pocket and made his way across the park to his stash. As he stepped into the area, an uneasy feeling ran through him. He wanted to get this over with quickly and then sort out the Argus situation. Demos reached behind a garbage can, knocking it over and grabbed the blanket where he had stashed his things. Everything appeared to be in order. As he turned, he was startled by a tall man. It was the officer from before. He grabbed Demos' arm. What's your name, kid? The officer said. Eat dirt, Demos yelled. What did you do with the other kid? Confused, the officer ignored the question and began yelling at Demos and dragging him across the park. Soon enough, the man released Demos from his grip as he tossed him into a jail cell and slammed the door. The boy felt defeated, but that almost immediately gave way to some joy as he saw Argus sleeping on the bench on the other side. He ran up to Argus, shaking him. Argus, thank goodness! Argus sat up. You have a funny sense of what to be thankful for, sir. Sergeant Hagen stood at the bars. You two keep it down. None of us want to be here, but Barros is making quite a stink about this theft. I need some time to calm him down so that maybe some of us can have a merry Christuenia. He turned to walk away. Demos slumped against the wall, and Argus walked across to join him there on the ground. I was coming back for you, Argus, Demos said with shame in his tone. I know, Demos. I was just taking a nap until you figured something out. Wow, thought Demos. His friend had such unwavering faith in him. He could not let him down. He had to come up with something. As he sat there, he withdrew the glass from his pocket and spun it on its edge. What you got there? Argus asked. Just a piece of junk I found by the old quarry. You went into the old quarry? Argus questioned the boy with horror in his voice. Yeah, just a little. You been inside? Demos asked. Argus snatched the glass from the boy. Nothing good comes from that place, kid. They say spirits walk those grounds. Not spirits of the dead, though. Spirits of those that never were. What does that even mean? Demos asked as he watched Argus hold the monocle to his eye. As Argus held the glass up, he witnessed Sergeant Hagen materialize in front of him, arms outreached. With a gasp, Argus dropped the glass to the ground, and a thin line formed across the lens. Aw, oh, damn it, Argus! You cracked it! Piece of junk anyways, I suppose, Demos complained. Argus scrambled to his feet, shaken by what he saw. Demos, that glass is cursed. 
footsteps sounded down the hall and Hagen appeared. Demos held up the glass and looked through at the hall. Hector was gone. Turning toward Argus, he saw Hagen pinning Argus against the wall. Let us out of here, Argus shouted. Demos lowered the glass and Argus was free but growing erratic. Hagen was outside of the bars. The officer addressed Argus. Calm down there, man. I've come for the kid. It looks like Barros is only interested in him. Sergeant Hagen opened the cell and Argus began mumbling. You okay, old-timer? He shouldn't have gone in there, Argus said. Who? What? Hagen asked. The old man grew agitated and kept repeating himself. It's cursed. He shouldn't have gone there. Hagen moved towards Argus and pushed him against the wall. Demos had an overwhelming sense of deja vu and made a snap decision to run for the door. Get back here, shouted the police officer. Demos made his way down the hall. He held up the glass and peered around the corner. He saw a boy. It wasn't just any boy, though. Now he understood. It was himself. He saw himself down the hall and a man blocking the door. It was the fat chef from the restaurant. The boy turned toward the window to his left and pulled it open. He slipped out and dropped to the ground. He had to act fast. He ran to the edge of the building and lifted the glass to his eye. Nobody was there and it didn't look like anybody would be coming that way. He ran along the building and peeked around another corner, just in time to see Barros and Hagen run around the other way. Demos ran into the station and down the hall. He grabbed the keys from a hook on the wall by the door into the holding area and flung them in the lock, turning it. We've got to get out of here, Argus. I need you to step out of it and run. Argus nodded, still visibly shaken. The pair raced out of the building. Demos held the glass to his eye and dragged Argus by the hand across the street. They stopped and peered around the corner for a bit as Demos watched their pursuers talk to people in the area and pace up and down the street. Eventually, there was an argument in front of the station, and Hagen locked up the building and parted ways with Chef Barros. We're going to be okay, Argus, Demos said, turning to his friend. Why do you say that, sir? Argus asked. Let's just say I've got a little foresight into our situation. Follow me, friend. We've got to pick up our stuff and find a new home. The pair walked back to the park. Their walk was a little more leisurely, as Demos kept his monocle in hand and often held it to his eye. Over here, Demos said, straightening up the garbage can in front of him and pulling out his blanket. He unfolded the blanket to reveal two cooked hams. Merry Christmas, Argus. We should gather the rest of the poor and create a feast for our friends. We have much to celebrate. I think things will be looking up for us. Well, I hope so, Mr. Kalis. It's certainly about time. Theme music by Carol Cockrell.